and I consider what might be our uh, ministry when we, we uh, retired. And um, I'm not sure we had it really in mind. I was doing a lot of fill-ins after that in churches where the pastors were taking some breaks on in northern Illinois. But when we moved up to uh, the Milwaukee area uh, just a little over three years ago, it was a different story. New place. People wouldn't pr pr uh, probably remember me as much and want me to travel you know, an hour and a half, two hours to get to where they wanted me to fill in. So um, my wife and I were considering that. And we read a book, not together, but she read it and I read it um, on our own. And then we realized what God's ministry would be for us. And that was to love our neighbors as ourselves. But in the book uh, that was uh, considering this, and I can't remember the name of the book um, at this time, but anyway, uh, we realized, as the, the author was saying, that sometimes we think of loving our neighbor as, you know, giving money to missions over there in uh, Africa or someplace in Asia or someplace. Um, and really, he, they were saying, your neighbor is the guy that lives next, next door to you. The, the family lives right next door to you. Are, do you love them as yourself? Do you, do you uh, go out of your way to... Uh, visit with them? Do you go out of the way to serve them in some way and allow them to serve you? So anyway, we came realizing that that was kind of our, our mission, was the neighborhood. And uh, right next door to us uh, lived this family. They had three children, one, two boys and a girl. And, and the, little, the girl, Millie, and she, and she just loved to cook and bake. And my wife is a pretty good cook and a baker. You really can't tell it, but uh, um, she is. So they got to know each other, and they, they decided that they would do some baking together. So Millie would come over, and my wife would, and she would make some cookies and, or cupcakes or brownies or something. And then they would uh, package them up a little bit, and they would take it to some of the people in the neighborhood and give them a treat. And that's still going on. Uh, three years later, Millie's three years older, and, uh, but she still loves to do that, and so they do that. I've been walking around the neighborhood uh, three different streets up and down and getting to know people and praying for them and wondering, God, who do you want us to have a ministry with here in this, this neighborhood? So that's, that's kind of our, our mission. We have been, uh, we've joined, a we have, we've been going to a church and uh, we will get involved in that somehow also, but we, uh, our, our ministry is really with our neighbors. We have a neighbor and the mother of, of uh, Millie is, is Katie. And my wife and I had gone on vacation uh, for two weeks down in Charleston, South Carolina. We'd uh, rented a, a condo down there, and we stayed there. And, um, anyway, during that time, there was some kind of a, I don't know if it was some kind of a storm or heavy rain, or maybe it was just the downspout on the side of the house where Katie and her husband Tom and the kids live. And the downspout came out. Maybe it was just rusty at the bottom and <laughs> whatever. The, the downspout came down, and we didn't, of course, we didn't know anything about it. And Katie, out of her blessed heart, her, Tom, her husband Tom has a bad back, and so he's always complaining about it and, and says that he can't do this and that and the other. He always washes the car, though, so I'm not sure how uh, lame he is. But, um, so she, she went out of her way to replace the downspout on her own. I, don't know if she, I think she had to buy, actually, a piece of downspout, uh, and she fixed it, and we didn't know anything about it until we got back. I thought, 
there's the real neighbor. You know, as you're trying to love neighbors, you not, only, you not only do things for them, but you have to let them do things for you. Otherwise, you become the, the high and mighty one, and they're just the recipients. And so you have to let them serve you as well. Anyway, we're going to talk about the goodness of God today, the next fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm not sure why, well, I, I know that Tom had a reason for going this particular Sunday and being gone to something out in Colorado that he's going, but I thought, he took kindness last week, and now it's goodness, and he gave me goodness to preach, and I thought, what's the difference? What is he going to say, what did he say last week that you're not going to hear again this week? Uh, well, hopefully you'll hear a couple things anyway. Um, by the way, did you know that Tom is half my age? I'm not going to tell you at what age, but uh, um, I, I, I couldn't hardly believe it when we got together and he mentioned his age, and I go, oh my gosh, I'm twice as old as he is. <laughs> um, he's such a young guy. Anyway, three things that I wanted to go over with you today, experiencing God's goodness, enjoying God's goodness, and extending God's goodness. Probably when we think of the goodness of God, we think at least is our part, and the fruit of the Spirit, is that we're extending it to others. And, but first of all, we want to talk about experiencing God's goodness. In the uh, text that we read for this morning, Psalm 148, in verses 8 and 9, um, says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. He is good to all. Over and over in the scriptures, we hear of or we are reminded of God's goodness from those who have experienced it. And so we want to look at how those different people experienced it and what they experienced and what they said about it. First of all, I think this is really cool. In the very first chapter in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, we hear of the goodness of God. God said, and it was done. And he looked at it, it was what? It was good. And for all of those six days, except for one, it says that he, he, he uh, made it, and he looked at it, it was good. And then in the very last verse of chapter 1, we read, And God looked at all of it, and it was what? Very good. That's all that he made, and it was very good. Good for God or good for us? Well, kind of both. Certainly God, by his creation and all that he had made, certainly gives, gets glory from it, and, uh, and certainly those who believe him, trust him, know him, and we look up into the heavens and we think, my God, you are amazing in your, your creative power, especially at night when you go out and look at the stars and you see those that are, you know, millions of millions of miles away, trillions of miles away. Um, but they, it was all very good. And it's good for us, especially 
His goodness has got, he made, he made everything for us especially so that we might enjoy it and benefit from it and be able to just regale in it because it's so wonderful. Sometimes it gets a little harsh with winds and storms and tornadoes. We just experienced that not long ago in, in Wisconsin here. Um, but uh, anyway, it's, it's good for us to, we, we, we are, God made it not just for himself, but he made it for us. It's good for us all. Not only that, the Son of God came into the world. He was incarnated. In the incarnation and in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, we see, without a doubt, the goodness of God for us, don't we? There in the gospel message, we see, like no place else other than creation, the goodness of God for us all. I want to go through the rest of the, uh, the Bible section by section. First of all, the law. Uh, the law includes a lot of uh, historical books in, in the Old Testament. And uh, there are 17 total books. And in 1 Chronicles 17, verse 26, we read, You, Lord, are God. You have promised these good things to your servant. Promise these good things to your servant. The people of Israel... They had victory over their foes, had given them housing, he would he had given them uh, sons and daughters. And so God was very good, gave good things to the people of Israel. Now when we look at that verse and we consider it that, it's, that it was good for the people of Israel, we have to realize that God is good not just to, the, to all of us at the same time, but he's also good to us as individuals. And hopefully you've experienced that in your life, that God has been good, not just to everybody, but God's been good to you too. I remember when I was a uh, freshman at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and uh, during, I think it was sometime during that fall semester, uh, one of the guys in my dorm, he was on the fourth floor and I was on the first floor, and his name was Dave, and he, um, he was impressive. He was like six foot six. I always had to look up to Dave. Um, he was on the, the Wisconsin basketball team, uh, played for them a little bit. He was more of a, a, a backup, but um, he, was a, he was an All-American as a high schooler. And, but he got involved in ministry, which kind of took up more of his attention and his time instead of basketball. Anyway, he came to me, and he, he knocked on my door, and he said, uh, I'd like to invite you to a Bible study down the hall, just down the hall, and, and uh, it'll be four, four weeks, and and, and I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll try to come. And so I came that first time. And it was, it was all right. And I uh, never came again. A little while later, maybe it was, I don't know, first part of the spring semester, Dave comes down again, and he knocks on my door, and he says, uh, Doug, would you, would you like to come to Bible study? We're having another one just down the hall. And so I said, okay. I'll, and, and I came the first time, and I didn't ever came again. Uh, and I thought, Dave's just going to forget about me. I'm involved with Lutheran Campus Ministries, and we're kind of doing some things as well. And so I, I really didn't think that I needed to get involved in something else. But then Dave came back in like April sometime, and he said, we're having a, um, a gathering off campus that's at a church, and uh, it's a Friday night, and we're going to have a speaker, and we're going to sing some songs, 
and we're going to uh, have some treats. Well, if you're a male college student, you always want to go someplace where there's treats. So I went, and uh, I thought it was pretty good. I, mean, I, you know, it was nice, and especially the treats were wonderful. Um, so anyway, go back, and I'm going through this. Dave comes to my my door one day, and he says, "Doug, how would you like to spend uh, maybe three times a week for maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, just reading the Bible and praying together?" And I thought to myself, "Well, I, yeah, I guess you know, that kind of." Thought to myself, I guess that's what a Christian ought to do is, you know, read the Bible and pray. So um, I uh, said, sure. And it was probably because of Dave, six foot six Dave, basketball player, guy that's on campus. He's, you know, known by a lot of people. And, and I thought, I'll just, well, sure, okay, we'll do it. And he came to my, uh, my room and we spent time reading the Bible and praying. And he gave me a little packet that he had some written stuff in it. Assurance of salvation, assurance of answered prayer, assurance of this and that. And I went through it, and he asked, I'd really like to see if, if you would memorize these passages of Scripture. And so Dave asked me, so I did. He says, you know, just, just memorize them as you're walking across campus, to school, uh, you know, to class and so forth. And it was a big campus, and so you'd have 10 to 15 minutes to walk, walk to the next class, and so I would do that. And there was one passage that really stuck in my mind, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All the things like food and clothing and shelter, all those things that we you know, work for to have, uh, to continue to live and thrive. And, and, uh, but anyway, I, I look back at that now and I think, you know, Dave could have just given up on me. But he didn't. Why? Why didn't he just give up on me? I went once and I didn't come back. And I went once and I didn't come back. But he kept coming back and asking me. And I thought, Dave was really good to me because it was that experience through him and others involved with the ministry that he was a part of that I became more and more committed to Christ and eventually became a pastor. So that's why I'm standing before you today. Largely because of what Dave did in my life. Now, Maybe God just put me on David's mind for some reason and he kept coming back. I have no idea, but uh, he did. And so I look at that and I thought, God, you are good. You did a great work in my life. The poetry books, five poetry books, Job through Song of Solomon, including the Psalms. In Psalm 25, verse 7, we read, do not remember my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Do not remember my youth and my rebellious ways. In my immaturity and in my, I, I disobey God, I do things that aren't right. And sometimes I'll remember I really should confess those things. And the wonderful thing is that God doesn't hold that against us. He's not a mean, angry God that wants us to always get it right. But he's willing to forgive when I've messed up. And that's the wonderful thing, that God for, forgives and forgets. I always wondered about, how does God forget? I mean, he's supposed to remember everything. But somehow, when it comes to forgiveness, God forgets. I, I have a hard time forgetting. Well, now that I'm older, it's not, not too hard to forget, but uh, it becomes easier. But at the same time, 
um, I can remember some things like that because I've disappointed God. Um, I've done things that were wrong. I hurt somebody else. It's hard not to remember those things, but God forgives and forgets. Amazing, the goodness of God. Proverbs 17, uh, the prophets, there's, there's um, I'm sorry, there's prophets, there's 17 prophets, Isaiah to Malachi, uh, the last part of the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 63, verse 7, we read, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us, yes, the many good things he has done for Israel. Note in this passage of Scripture, there's both kindnesses and goodness. Last week and this week. But in that text, he talks about those good things that God has done for Israel, for that people that he called to himself. And they knew it, and they spoke about it. The Gospels, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we have the book of Acts, which are all kind of historical Historical books, and in John chapter 10, verse 11, we read Jesus' words, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is a good shepherd. He called himself that. But also we have to realize that that's what John and the other disciples, that's how they saw Jesus, as a good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. And Jesus did that. He gave his life for his people. And so they wrote about that. And all have responded in faith and have experienced that and credited God with being a good shepherd for us. And then in Hebrews 6, 5, one of the, one of the letters, and there's uh, 22 letters. We read in Hebrews chapter 6, 5, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God. Now, if any of you have read consistently the Bible over time, if you have a devotional time or what sometimes people call a quiet time, and you've read consistently, you know that the word is good. You know that there is, there is wonderful things in the word of God that speak to us at times. And that word is good. And that's what is said in this verse. We have tasted the goodness of the word of God. God's intentions for us are always good. So say all the writers of Scripture. All the writers of Scripture who had experienced the goodness of God, including the inspiration that they received to write those Scriptures, experienced the goodness of God. In what ways, I, I want to ask you today, in what ways have you experienced the goodness of God? in your own life. Maybe some time ago, or maybe not too long ago, maybe, you know, right, right now. How have you experienced the goodness of God in your own life? I would hope that you'd have something that you could talk about, that you could say, and that maybe you could share with somebody else in your family, somebody else you know that's a Christian, or maybe even how God has worked in your life and given something good that you have to give him the credit for something wonderful that happened in your life. So we experience the goodness of God. It's told, we're told about it throughout Scripture, and it's wonderful. But we also enjoy the goodness of God. And I want to talk about it next, about enjoying God's goodness. In Psalm 145 again, verse 10, which we read, All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. 
And then in verse 21, which we did not read uh, in the reading, my mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. This, this person sounds so excited about Christ, about God, that he was willing to extol God, to just praise him with all of his might, in a sense rejoicing in God, and he was going to speak the praise of God. Wonderful things. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 10, at the dedication of the temple by Solomon, Solomon had the temple built, and he was the one who presided at the, at the dedication of the temple. And then of Solomon, it is said, of Solomon, it is said in chapter 7, verse 10, he sent the people to their homes joyful and glad in heart for the good things the Lord had done for David and Solomon and for his people Israel. He sent them home with joyful and glad hearts. That's how they went. Joyful for that wonderful place that they could come and worship God during each year. How have you enjoyed God's goodness here at St. John's? This place where you come to worship. In a sense, the temple of God for you. In what ways have you experienced God's goodness here at St. John's? Maybe the Christmas services in which you celebrate his incarnation in the world. Or maybe Easter when you celebrate his victory over death and the, the hymns that you sing, the messages that you hear. Or maybe it's your daily devotions if you have time to read the Bible and pray daily or your the hymns that you sing here at church or maybe teaching kids in a Sunday school is something that the goodness of God to you or leading a group in Bible study at your house or somebody else's home or um, maybe something else in your daily life that reminds you and kind of brings you back to worship God here at St. John's. Think about that a moment. What ways and when have you enjoyed God's goodness through St. John's. And then Jeremiah 31, 12, we read, They will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. They will rejoice in the bounty, that is, in the goodness of the Lord. Do your hearts rejoice? <laughs> Do you shout for joy? I think it, most times, yeah, most of us probably don't <laughs> when it comes to our faith. But maybe in your heart, maybe within you, there's that, that sense that God is worth it. He brings joy to my life. His goodness causes me to rejoice, to find that, that life is worth living. It's wonderful that God has given you good things. One thing my wife and I have been praying for, both of our daughters, are one of them is in her mid-30s, just got married a year ago, and a little over a year ago, and the other one is uh, younger, but she's been married for a few, and, and neither of them have been able to have a, a baby thus far. And so my wife especially prays almost every night when we pray together for others. She's, she's praying for grandchildren. Nothing yet. But if we have grandchildren... You can bet the rejoicing that they'll be in my household. Not only through me, but especially through my wife. And now some of you are in that age and you don't have grandchildren yet. My heart bleeds for you. My wife would just, yeah, she, she, would, 
She knows what you feel like. But we can't give up on God. Can't give up on God. He's good. Do your hearts rejoice and shout for joy? That's, that's the question we have to ask. Because we're to enjoy God's goodness. And lastly, we to our extend God's goodness to others. That's the fruit of the Spirit of God. The fruit we bear as we extend God's goodness to others. In Psalm 145, verse 11 and 12, we read, They, that is the Christians and the good that they do, in both word and deed, tell of this glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. They tell of your glory and they speak of your might, the acts that you do. That's what is extending the goodness of God to others. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, we read these words. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. One way to remember this passage and what it says is, we're, we're not saved by works. We are saved to do good works. Okay? We're not saved by good works, that's verse 9, but we are saved to do good works. Maybe you've heard that before, but it's so true. We're God's handiwork, and we are what we are. We have accomplished what we've accomplished. We have, we have what we have, but we do so not by our own strength, not by our own smarts, not by our own skills, not because we're self, so self-controlled or self-believing or self-reliant. It's God who works through us. Placing certain people in our lives whom we can influence, whom we can help, whom we can encourage, and who may help and encourage us. It's not by chance that we do good things for others or they do good things for us. It is God who prepares it in advance. That passage says... God is always thinking. God is always acting for our good. First, in 2 Thessalonians 1.11, we read there, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. If you indeed are a child of God and you know what the, Spirit, the Spirit's gifts are and you know that one of them is goodness, then I know you will desire to do good. I know you will desire, even people that aren't Christian probably desire to do good. But it is God working in you and me. It's God working in you and me that brings about that desire. God prompting into being that desire for us to do good works. If I don't do them all by myself, by my own thinking, by my own strength, it is God who leads me and guides me and 
strengthens me to do it. You get the joy of doing good God inspires in you for the praise of his glory. Let me ask you this. How many of you would rather receive than, than give? We always want to give. We get more joy out of giving than we do out of receiving, don't we? I would hope so. And so we are to extend God's goodness to others. Now, in, in giving and in serving others, there's one thing that might happen occasionally, and that is the one for whom you do it does not show any appreciation, does not thank you, says nothing about it. That may happen. It probably has happened to you. So what do you do in that case? You get mad at them? <laughs> you think that those ungrateful people... Well, in Judges chapter 8, verse 35, we read this. They also failed to show any loyalty to the family of Gideon in spite of all the good things he had done for them. They had failed to show any loyalty to people of Israel, to Gideon, who was one of the judges who did great things for Israel in dealing with their enemy neighbors. And they showed no loyalty. What do you do in that case? Well, what you do is that you realize that you do this not for the neighbor, especially, but you do it, first of all, for God. If you can remember that you're doing what you do because of the goodness of God in you, and you're doing that good for the sake of God's glory, then if you get no thank you, no recognition from that other person or those other people, you still have the recognition of God in your life. So remember that you are doing it for God and not for that other person, first of all. So let me ask you this as we close. Today. How may you extend God's goodness this week or this month? How may you extend that goodness this coming week or this coming month for someone else, for your neighbor? How are you going to love that neighbor of yours next door or down the block? We experience, we enjoy, and we're to extend the goodness of God to others. And know that as you extend God's goodness, you will also enjoy what you do and what you say and experience God's goodness in and through you. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we